You're listening to the Cheer Biz Podcast, where we dive into the business of running and owning your gym. Join us as we speak to industry experts, business gurus, and discuss how we can take your passion and turn it into profit. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Cheer Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today we have the opportunity to sit down with a gym owner whose name is Abby Dwiggins. And I will be honest, everyone, I don't know a ton about her. I don't know a ton about her gym. She had reached out and asked to be on the podcast, and I love to talk to people. And sometimes these conversations... I think can bring a lot of value to you all as listeners. And I did a little research. I obviously don't just bring anyone on the podcast, but did a little bit of research, uh, saw some of the cool things they're doing on social media and some of the other stuff they have going on. I thought, man, let's bring in someone that I haven't met before and just have an honest conversation about what they're doing as a gym owner. So Abby, thank you for being here. Excited to be here. Yeah. I want to give you a second because I don't know you that well to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background in in cheerleading, tumbling, gymnastics, kind of what your upbringing was and what you're up to now. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually started gymnastics around the age of six and found out quickly that I did not like it. So I took a break from it for a little while. And then I, uh, I ended up in a tumbling class a little bit later on when I was 11 And my tumbling coach was like, you should really try gymnastics. I was like, you know what? No, it's not for me. I like tumbling. This is good enough. She's like, no, you should really try it. And I said, as long as I don't have to compete, I'm in. So she's like, okay, well, come to our gymnastics team class and just try it out. And from my very first practice, I absolutely fell in love with the sport. And I knew immediately that I wanted to coach this sport. And so I went to the gym manager and I said, when can I coach? And she said, the day you turn 16. So the day I turned 16 is when I turned in my papers and I started coaching. And it's been such an amazing ride. Since that age of 11, I knew that I wanted to be a head coach or be an owner of a gym because I knew what the sport did for me. And I wanted to help other people feel what that's like and to find this amazing sport where you can find who you are and it disciplines you and teaches you life lessons. And so after a long time of coaching, I had gone around and helped in different dance studios. I had become the head coach of this gymnastics team, well, at least one of the head coaches. And I thought I would be there for life. I was like, I'm going to be in this gymnastics gym setting for a while. I even had done some guest clinics at like different cheer gyms, different dance gyms. And they're like, would you ever quit your team? I'm like, absolutely not. Like, I'm going to be here forever. And then an opportunity opened up where I got to become a tumbling director at a dance studio. And that is where my dreams really started to become a reality because I was teaching in this tiny little dance room, trying to teach back bends all the way up to back tucks. And it really made me look like a bad tumbling coach because that is a hard span of kids to teach. So I had asked the owners over and over and over, can we please get a tumbling sector? And one day they finally said yes, and I was shocked. And so we built out this huge tumbling facility and they had made it very clear that we wanna do it, but we already have so much going on. So you're gonna have to kind of lead the show if we're gonna do it. And I said, okay, let's do it. Like I've been waiting for this my whole life. 
So we went for it. The gym exploded. It went really well. And then within a year of being that ultimate director over this program, life kind of shifted a little. And I had the opportunity to decide if I wanted to open my own gym or not. That was kind of crazy. I didn't think I'd open a gym for 20 plus years or more. Um, but we came to this crossroad and I got had to decide what I wanted to do. And so we started looking for buildings and I had remembered this building that I reached out to and I had texted them and he's kind of an older owner and he had said, hey, I want you to just like call me for the information. And being a millennial, I did not want to call him. I just wanted him to text me the rates, what the deal was, how much it was going to be. So I never contacted him again because I didn't want to call him. So eight months later, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to give him a call and see if the building is still available. At that point, the building had been split in half, um, so it was a lot more affordable. And he said, it is available. If you meet me tomorrow, we can look at it. I was like, whoa, okay. So I pull up, and I knew right away that this is what my next step. And he said, you know, I'm leaving for a trip tomorrow, so we should probably sign today if you're serious. So I'm like, whoa, 24 hours, less than 24 hours into this search, and I'm going to sign this big kid lease. It was terrifying. And so we decided to make the jump, and within one month, we had the gym all set up, and we decided to call it DTA, which stands for Dwiggins Tumbling Academy, and that's when my 12-year-old dream became true. Wow. That is, uh, that's quite the story, quite the journey. Um, yeah. I think there are <laughs> probably people listening going, they wish they could get a building as easily as you did with one phone call and like, hey, sign now, get, get going. It's, it's not always the case. So you got lucky on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me after you've, after you started the gym, so you, you took that leap to gamble on yourself and, and open this gym, what were the first, first six months like? I obviously move, let's, let's skip past move in and setting up a whole bunch of equipment and painting walls and all of that craziness. But like the first six months in business, you know, how did you find your staff? How did you get a clientele? What was it that you focused on to start growing this gym? Yeah. So the story gets better. <laughs> so the okay. first six months, we actually marketed the gym as just a private lesson gym. I had been doing a lot of one-on-ones. So we did um, private lessons, other instructors that were interested in private lessons. And then we did like camps and clinics. We needed to hold off from doing classes for a span of a year. And so that's kind of what we did for the first little bit. Why was that? We just had a contract with the other gym that I had come from. Okay. Got yeah. it. So you had some sort of a non-compete in place that limited you being able to expand into classes. Yeah. And so we had done kind of like the clinic scene and the private lesson scene for a little while. And I had tons of clients just because I had taught at over 10 different companies for the last 10 years. And so I just had a lot of people that I had done one-on-ones with and wanted to continue to learn. So after eight months, I'm skipping ahead from the six months, but the story will progress. <laughs> so after eight months, we only had four parking spots. So all those owners out there thinking like, you know what? We got lucky. Four parking spots is plenty. I'm going to stop you there. It is not plenty. Do not do it. <laughs> And our neighbors were getting pretty angry with us. And so the landlord walks in 
And he says, hey, are you guys, how are you guys doing? And I'm like, you know what? The parking situation is actually not working and we need something else. Like we, it's just, we're making it happen, but we know we're making people angry. And he says, you know what? I actually just bought the police station two blocks away. Do you want to move into the police station? Which went from 2,700 square feet to 6,000 square feet. So all these worries, once again, kind of just went away in the split of a second because we got first dibs and we got to take over this police station. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Do you buy lotto tickets? Nope. Don't buy lotto tickets. You might want to start. I, either you've used up all your good luck or you are an incredibly lucky human being, but, or you just found, you found the right landlord who's setting you up for success. Okay. So you move into a 6,000 square foot facility and I'm assuming that's the one that I've seen on Instagram with the, the big high walls, or is that, is this an intermediate facility? You're now in a new one. We now have two facilities. So how the story progresses from there is we move into this new building right when we hit a year mark and everyone was begging for more because as private lesson coaches, you can only help so many people, even if you have 15 instructors. So everyone was like, please do classes. And so in September, 2021, we opened classes and we felt lucky to get 200 students. I mean, this is a giant building. This building is 12,000 square feet together, but we just took half of it. And we actually told the landlord to build a wall because we didn't believe we could fill 12,000 square feet. And that was just daunting as a one-year-old owner. But by the end of that season, so we're looking at May 2022, we had over 500 students. And then by the following season, we had 720 students. And this last summer, we surpassed 1,000 students. And we knew in the summer that we could not fit all of those students in this 6,000 square foot building because it caps out at 720 athletes. So we had been looking. I skipped a little bit, but after our first year in the 6,000 square okay. foot building, we knew we had outgrown it. And so we started looking for a bigger or additional building. Took a year. No one wanted us because our financials weren't good enough. Parking was too insane. They're like, there's no way like your guys' parking requirement is too much for us. And so we, after a year of searching with a broker, were able to find a 17,000 square foot building, which is now our second facility that's been open four months. We are currently teaching 1,200 students, 600 and about 690 in our Lehigh location and 550 in our Linden location. And where are Lehigh and Linden at? What state? They're in Utah. And those locations are about 12 minutes okay. apart. Wow. 12 minutes apart. You have two different buildings that close together. Yep. <laughs> Do you have different offerings between the two locations or? Same offerings. And almost all of our coaches do both locations because our biggest goal is no matter where we expand, you get the same exact experience. Hmm. Okay. So tell me what is your, it sounds like your background in business is, is working in dance studios and cheer gyms. Did you go to, did you go to school? Uh, where were you at in terms of how did you figure out how to do all the, all of this? Was it just shooting in the dark or what'd you do? Yeah, so I uh, went to school at Utah Valley University, and over the span of eight years, I got a business management degree, but 
I can honestly say that that degree did not help me with any of this. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think it is really unique and awesome to have that degree as a backing. Um, but I've just been obsessed with entrepreneurship since I was young, from like selling tomatoes on the street to making themed pillowcases, just silly things growing up to make money. And so I am just not a settler and I'm always pushing for something greater. I I joke with people that I'm on this like freight train of entrepreneurship. I'll make decisions that don't make sense sometimes, but somehow they work. But our end goal is seven locations. Wow. All in Utah? At least four in Utah. And then the last three, I don't know where I want them, but I know I want seven. <laughs> That's just your magic number? Lucky yeah, number it's seven. Just, it just feels right. I'm not really sure why seven, okay. but it feels right. Okay. So tell me, You've been in business now for, it sounds like, four or five years? We just surpassed three years last September, so a little over three years. Three years. Got it. And what would you say is your, what makes you special? What makes you different as a program? I love this question. I have taught at so many different places over time, and so I kind of found the things that work and the things that don't work. And one thing that we do at DTA is we really are strict about our ratios. And so I feel like at most gyms I've been at before, it's like a six to one ratio or an eight to one or five to one. But I know what it's like to run a class with crazy kids running around, but you really want them to get good. And so I run DTA like I would want a different owner to have me teaching a class. And so we do almost always a ratio of four to one. So every class caps at 10 to 12 kids and has two to three coaches. Wow. That's a huge staff footprint. Yes. Yeah. We just barely, we now have 55 coaches that help us do this and seven subs. And so it is a crazy, it's crazy what we are pulling off, but the staff makes it what it is today. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that your your pricing reflects the fact that you have three instructors and these amazing facilities. So I'm assuming, like, what does a, how does your enrollment process work for your classes? Yeah, so we kind of run off a membership business style. And so we are a month-to-month gym. And the more classes you take, the cheaper it gets. But anyone can cancel any time as long as it's, before the 20th of the month before. So we are a supplement to dancers, gymnasts, cheerleaders. And so we try to be as flexible as possible. And that's also a big reason that it's essential for us to have big facilities with plenty of room um, because we need to offer tons and tons of classes to help supplement all these crazy demanding schedules from these athletes. And so if, what would it, if I was a new member coming in, what would it cost me to enroll for a month of tumbling training if I was taking uh, is your base package one class a week or is it yeah just one class a week is our base and it's $68 and then their second class is $40 third class is 35 and fourth is 40 we do offer a partner stunning class which we brought into our program because I tried out for college cheer three times and never made it and I believe a big portion of that is lack of partner stunting experience and so we now host that offering hoping that other kids' dreams don't get crushed like mine because I'm a chicken at Open Gym, even though everyone said you should go to Open Gym to get better. 
But yeah, it's really not terribly expensive for the ratios and the buildings we're offering. Um, we try to keep it pretty affordable. Yeah, that I would consider that ludicrously cheap. <laughs> that that would be my how I would categorize it. Yeah, I will say one thing that we definitely do different to kind of reflect our quality is we do not offer trial classes um, like the other gyms surrounding us just because by the time someone does a trial, thinks about it for two days, um, the spot is usually gone. And so we don't offer those. We are only month to month as well. So we think it's a pretty good trade-off if you try for four classes and then you could be done if you'd like. So that's something kind of different. And then we don't offer sibling discounts, which is also very unique in Utah. So some people, they ask about it and they're kind of sad about it. But then once they join the classes, I think they start to understand why don't we don't have tons of discounts, which I've actually heard you talk about before and how you don't do tons of discounts. Yep. I don't do tons of discounts. No, I do not. Especially not the sibling discount. That's one that I just don't, doesn't make sense to me. And I have three kids and I still don't think that I would, I understand that sibling discounts don't make sense. Yeah, when, you're so, getting, um, when you get the quality training, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt that you guys and are delivering a, a quality product. So how on earth do you have two to three instructors per class? I imagine how many classes at a time do you run in a day? So at our Lehigh location, we have four classes running an hour. And then at Linden, we have anywhere from six to seven classes running an hour. I mean, some hours that are less popular, we have three to four, but we've started to go up a little bit in our enrollment. So we're running like, yeah, seven classes, some hours. And it's, it's pretty awesome because in this giant facility, we have four full tier floors. And so even with that many kids, it seems like we have plenty of space and plenty of mats. What I was more curious in is with that, so knowing you have six and four, that means you're running anywhere from 25 to maybe even 30 staff with those instruct student to instructor ratios if you're running two to three staff per class. So one, who manages all those humans? And two, how the heck did you find all of those qualified staff to deliver the great quality product you want to deliver? Yeah. So, um, you know, a good chunk of our staff actually comes from my gymnastics team members from when I was growing up at this itty bitty fitness center. We kind of joke that it's kind of like reassembling the Avengers in a sense. So some of them are my old teammates and they believe in what I believe in. We grew up the same, which is really nice. Some people I have met at open gyms. We'll put ads up on Indeed and we'll actually get a lot of interest there. Definitely staffing has been the hardest thing. I had someone say like, what's the hardest part of business? And I'm like, it's people. People are what keep the business running, but also like keeping people coming and not asking for time off all the time is super tricky. But we also have a lot of coaches from different colleges that come. But as we've upped our quality and when I had kind of mentioned when I wanted to be on the podcast, things I'm passionate about, one was social media. I feel like the quality in social media has brought in the people, bringing them to us, the quality coaches, without us having to go seek as much at least. Yeah. So let's talk about social media. I noticed, I, I looked at, I don't have TikTok. So I'm sure you have a TikTok presence. I don't get on it. Your Instagram though, you had a ton of posts. It looks like you post at least almost daily to Instagram. Is that accurate? 
Um, we used to be really, really good about it. I've slowed down just a little bit, but we try to do daily when we can. And we actually don't have a TikTok presence. I created an account twice. Oh. But I just can't get into it. I'm part of the Instagram train. <laughs> okay. So we're on the same train then. I just figured you, you're a little younger than I am. So you probably had TikTok, but what got you started? Why were you passionate about social media? And what was the tactic that you took to build your your presence and your your brand on social? Yeah. So when I was a director and a really successful private lesson coach, I would actually post all the time about my athletes and the success that they are having um, kind of as a journal. I feel like it's really difficult to like tell and explain to people all the things you have done, but social media is a really good way of keeping a journal or portfolio. And so once I had opened DTA Tumbling, I actually rebranded my personal account to be our DTA account. But at that point, it still had um, less than 8,000 followers. And then we just started busting out the posts about each and every program, things happening day in and day out. There was one particular post of someone spotting a full one of my uh, best friends from childhood, actually. And that one kind of made our Instagram blow up. But definitely, like, retaining the followers is hard and figuring out, like, what people want to see. But I think it's been really good for giving people a taste of what it looks like inside the gym on a daily basis if they have never tried DTA before. Um, we've also tried, like, Instagram takeovers, which have been really fun. But I think it just gives people a taste of, like, what is this gym before I even drive there? And now are you still a private lessons, clinics, and classes only program? Or do you offer team cheerleading through DTA? We do not offer team training. Everyone asks us about it all the time. But right now, kind of where we sit is we really just like being everyone's friend. Anyone can come to us from any team. Yeah. There's no bad blood. We're just the middleman. And I, I really like that. We also are majority Monday through Thursday. So I also really like my weekends when I can get them. Well, I mean, what would impact your weekends? Why wouldn't you get them if you're Monday through Thursday? I just mean like if we start a team because of all the competition or extra practices. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you want to protect your weekends. You want to keep them your weekends. Yeah, yeah. I want to keep them as long as we can. <laughs> okay. So how did you have such an explosive growth from 200 students to now well over 1,200 training in your facility? What did you do to build that brand awareness, get out there and ha be the one-stop shop for everyone who want to go and tumble? There isn't really like an obvious thing that I've noticed. But I think the culture we've created and how we treat our staff and the dedication of our staff is really what keeps the word of mouth going. So nothing super obvious, but something really important within our staff and which also helps us get more coaches is we are really big believers. I know there are like natural totem poles in coaching, but something that we really ingrain in our staff is I don't care if you've been coaching 30 years or if you are a brand new coach, I'm going to couple you together on a class. And in three weeks, you've got to be leading a class, even if you are younger or haven't been coaching very long. And I expect it to look as good as that person that's been coaching 30 years because you have the potential to be great. And as we've done that and kind of said, like, everyone is on the same panel, 
it has really created a lot of a strong community going forward. And our younger coaches step it up. They do a great job. Our older, our older coaches are a great support, great mentors. We also, if we ever have people come in and say, hey, I've been coaching for a really long time and I want to coach the older and the best kids, we say, that's nice, but we offer over 350 classes weekly and 50% of those are tumbling one. So everyone here is not too good to teach tumbling one. And so we kind of tell our clients, no matter how old your kid is, how much experience they have, they all deserve and get a high quality coach. And I think that goes a long way in getting our enrollment where it has been. It's just culture and quality coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of firm there. That's kind of an unpopular opinion. (laughs) What's an unpopular opinion? Just uh, having like coaches of all levels have to also coach the younger kids. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure it's unpopular with the coaches, but I fully support it. You're never too good to teach the basics. Yeah. And I feel like if your program starts there. If you're that great of a coach, you should be able to coach the lowest levels. And in fact, if you're that good of a coach, you should be building the foundation for the kids who are going to be the best. Absolutely. 100%. You nailed it right there. Okay. So do you have any, as you've grown in this community, as you've grown in cheer, any other, any other thoughts, any other magic wand things you'd like to see be improved upon in, in cheer or tumbling? The floor is yours. I don't have another specific question for you. Yeah, no problem. I think I would just say like to anyone that is running a gym or looking to expand or wants to start a gym. Number one, kind of on the humorous side, do not underestimate parking. Do not do it. It really, it destroys later and it's just, you need it. And parents, it's part of your parent experience. So that was something we learned uh, really early on. Something we also learned really early on is Like, go get your legal documents right away. Go find a lawyer. Make sure you are set because as awesome as this industry is, it's a dangerous industry and people will try to come at you for anything. And so you really got to make sure that you protect yourself. And I think people forget that you need liability for private lessons and liability for birthday parties and liability for parkour. And if you don't have parkour liability, then you have to call it ninja. Like, there's this... So many different things that play into it. And I would say, like, I know everyone says budget, budget, budget. But I think a big reason DTA is taken off is I, I mean, I have to learn budgets now because our second location is giant and there is less money to go around than there was before. So I can't just buy mats willy nilly anymore. But Not having a budget has made us go really far because I look at a class and I say, if that class needs another coach, I don't care about the budget and it's getting one because quality matters. If we need these mats because our ninja program needs to grow, we're getting those mats. If we need to put a nice logo painting in our gym to make it look more professional, screw the budget, we're doing it. But in both of our gyms, we have gigantic murals that are painted on the walls opposed to like those banners that people will hang up and they're a staple in our facilities and make us look a lot more professional, I think. So our muralist for the new location painted a mural that was 155 feet long, 30 feet tall, but it really just makes the gym feel like this is a DTA gym. It is the next level. So yeah, don't underestimate like 
going big and getting your name out there and just doing things right the first time, even if the budget doesn't say you can. That is an interesting perspective. I can't say. At least in the beginning. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't fully endorse that one. I am a little bit more pragmatic from the uh, the budgeting and financial approach. Which is so smart. I think you should be. <laughs> no doubt that you have had some wild success, which is absolutely fantastic and a credit to everything that you're doing. It is. However, I've seen a lot of gyms get in a bad spot not thinking about how much those outside random things like painting walls cost. And I will say at this point, I'm getting more into it. I'm definitely being better about like what I spend um, as we are growing so fast now. But I think just kind of having that mindset leading up to this point, just getting us going, creating a presence within Utah, it's just helped us thus far. But I'm definitely more on that budget train now. <laughs> You're, you're certainly not risk averse, which is something to be, is fantastic and, it, and is rare. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I think for me, it would be a mindset suggestion. Instead of saying, don't worry about budget. If you fig- find something that you need, you find how to afford it. So if you believe that to li- deliver the quality a class, you need this instructor ratio, then you need to make sure your pricing is set correctly. You need to make sure that you're charging correctly and and you're on top of those things. If you know you want murals and those be- those kind of things like you have, which I've seen yours on social media, it is huge. Absolutely, you need to... It's It's the rich dad mindset of not, I can't afford that, but how do I afford that? How do I make this happen because it needs to happen? I guess that's more my pragmatic approach of like, if you need it, get it, but make sure that you set things up correctly. So you're set up for long-term financial success. Yeah. Cause I know, I know exactly how it sounded coming out the gate and I am just like super passionate. I think this kind of like nonstop passion comes because when we wanted to open the first location, second expansion, third location, which is really just two now because we brought the first two together. There were so many people that would say, okay, you're going to do that, but how? Like where the kid's going to come from, where the number is going to come from. And that's something that I have not really, I guess, put thought into because I'm kind of that mindset of I know what I want, so I'm going to find a way to do it. And so I would say like, not going out, like you said, and spending that money just crazy, but it's more like, okay, if we don't have it, I have this mindset of we're going to find a way to make that money so we can do this because so many people kind of questioned and said, you can't. And so I don't know. It's just, I think it's how we all got started and just seeing that like not everything relies on numbers and you can find success even when you're not drilling the numbers. And so I think that's kind of where that sign come from. But I know a lot of really successful people that are doing things like you're doing. Um, and I think that mindset is also great. Awesome. Well, but I, I really appreciate your time. I loved learning about your program. Absolutely fascinating story. Um, you have accomplished some really awesome stuff. I mean, it's pretty crazy the growth and progression you've seen uh, over the last three years. I mean, just absolutely massive. If you figure out the magic of how you got 1,200 kids, that's bottleable. 
That's, <laughs> that's impressive. But yeah, I really, really appreciate your time and thank you for joining us. Yeah. And I just want to say from the newer side of the owner community as like a newer owner, um, I really appreciate all of the podcasts and materials that you are putting out because like I said, college was great, but I feel like there's so many things that just hit you in the <laughs> face that you don't really learn about. And so I really appreciate how practical your advice is and the topics that you go over because I think it helps amateur owners like me really gain another perspective and it really helps just find hope knowing that someone else knows what you're going through on the daily. So thanks for all that you do. What up, party people? This is Jason Larkins, host of the Let's Talk Cheer podcast, and I've teamed up with Kristen Wheeler of the Cheer Mom podcast and Dan Cotton of the Cheer Biz podcast. That's right. Hey, everybody, Kristen here. We know that you love cheer, so why not dive into more perspectives? Tune into my podcast, the Cheer Mom podcast, for cheer issues spoken from the parents' perspective. Then head over to Dan's podcast, the Cheer Biz podcast, to learn from a gym owner on on how to run a successful cheer business. And of course, don't miss the Let's Talk Cheer podcast featuring Jason Larkins, the one that we all know and love, where they talk about cheer from a coach's perspective. Which means whether you're a coach, a cheer parent, or a gym owner, we've got you covered. Find all three podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and stay tuned for new episodes each week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cheer Biz Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.